0: Hello, it's Blush Cameron here, how's everybody's quarantine going? Mine's going okay, I left the house for the first time today in about two weeks to go to the grocery store, Um, it's pretty interesting, it's a really bleak scene there at the grocery store. The employees seem to be in pretty good spirits, uh, but it really felt like a disaster movie. Like, the place was not tidy um, and not as clean as usual, and, like, everybody's wearing masks, all the um, customers, you know, or a lot of them. I live in Philly, and the case, the amount of cases here is relatively low compared to a lot of other places. Last time I checked, I think we were at, like, um, coming up to 500 cases. That was a few days ago, so it's probably more now, but um, I think it just hasn't hit us yet. I mean, it could be lack of testing, but I think that it just hasn't hit us yet, and they're saying if it does hit us hard, it will be in the next, you know, two to three weeks or so that we'll really see the, the, um, you know, hospitals uh, imploding, and you know, that will really suck. But uh, they, the mayor seems to be doing a good job here. So I don't know. This is not supposed to be Philly, Philly news. Blush, Blush, Cameron's. Philly News, that's not what this is. We're here today to talk to my friend Harrison. Um, Harrison Smith. He plays in a band called Turtlenecked. It's his band. He's the brains behind it. He does all the songs. It's it's just him. If you're unfamiliar with Turtlenecked, I hope you'll go check it out real fast. It's on Spotify and itunes and apple music whatever wherever you listen to music i'm pretty sure you'll like it especially if you like my music because their style is very similar at times like poppy punky sometimes post-punk sometimes power pop type songs one thing i learned going back and listening to all this stuff for the podcast is how varied his music can be He really writes whatever he feels like writing, which is awesome. I like Harrison. I haven't known him that long, but he feels like a brother to me. Definitely one of my favorite people that I've met this past year. Um, What have you guys been doing during your quarantine? Hit me up. Let me know. Blush Cameron on all social media. Leave a comment and tell me what you've been doing, what movies you've been watching, uh, what games you've been playing, because I've been playing a lot of games. If you want to hear me talk about the various media that I've been consuming, um, come to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Blush Cameron. That's where I do solo episodes and extra bits from the main episodes that get cut out. I post uh B sides, demos of my own music, uh, etc. You know, the general the usual podcast uh stuff. Um so yeah, come find me over there. Go find Turtlenecked, aka Harrison Smith at uh Harrison Smith on Instagram, I believe. Um yeah, I uh, I'm starting the show with a new song of his coming up off of his new upcoming album. The song is called Flirtation, and the album is called Kapow, and he'll be talking about the album and everything else about him in this episode. Uh, I'll end the episode with one of his old songs called Underwear. It's a great song, I think you'll like it. I think it's a good way to... It's good vibe for the end of the episode. So, um, yeah, please stick around. This is one of my favorite conversations of the podcast so far. So I hope it's uh, one that you will enjoy as much as I did. See you
1: later.
0: Anyways, I'm doing this podcast, uh, and I was listening uh, to... All of your music, mm-hmm. a lot of music that I didn't know you even released. Like you have a ton of releases that I didn't even know about. Oh yeah, on Camp. <laughs> um, so, I guess I'm interested in knowing, just like how you even started getting into music in the first place, like alternative music, and like what's your like first memory of even like being like, oh, this is a cool song hmm uh i don't know i
1: remember let me think uh, i have a bunch of like really early memories of listening to music like the first album i ever bought was american idiot by green day i was in fourth grade and i bought a target on cd and i might have told you about this already but my dad only let me listen to like two songs because he read the lyric booklet oh damn he was like, "You're not allowed, this is inappropriate. Damn. so that made me want to listen to it a lot more honestly. and so I have that memory and then I also remember listening to these two like CD compilations that my um, cousins made. It was like for their wedding, like I think it was some stuff that they played on the dance floor and like they gave CDs of like whatever the playlist was out to all the wedding guests. and I remember listening to those all the time. And there were like specific songs that I would return to. But those are some of my earliest memories of rock, rock music, and like dance music. Yeah, I guess. yeah.
0: So like, your parents were like a little bit strict about it. Yeah, I think just because I was so young. Like I don't even know how old you are in fourth grade, like nine or ten. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't like have a whole lot of restrictions. Like if I wanted to like play like an M-rated game, I could. But I yeah. think I understand like how that like not being able to would make somebody like more compelled to do it for me it was kind of the opposite though it was like i i'm like not restricted in watching this like uh, you know r-rated movie but i'm like i don't want to because it's scary you know like right. just the fact it. that it's like I don't know, <laughs> like yeah like swear words i didn't my mom was like you can swear at the house just don't do it in public but even then it's like i don't want to swear at all because it's something bad about <laughs> it apparently oh yeah
1: <laughs> i remember i remember reading this book called spud that my mom or dad bought for me and it's like a coming of age kind of like you know, an adult novel i guess and it's about these like boys at a boarding school in south africa and it's like all about like sex and like i don't know like all that stuff and i remember like reading it and i was so like Nervous and embarrassed uh, that I like told I told my parents to return it to Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I was dude. like, I can't.
0: Yeah, we had um, <laughs> this cr- in fifth grade. We, my friend and I, found this book at the library called um, "When Dad Killed Mom." And oh it was like the God. most like insane like <laughs> like tragedy book. I don't know why they had it. It was like really like obscene. But yeah, we were like, whoa, this is crazy, and we took turns reading it um when did you like (laughs) when did you start playing instruments and what was your first instrument
1: uh i was first i was forced to play violin from the ages of four to 12 so forever ago and then when i turned 12 i talked my way out of playing violin by agreeing to pick up the guitar nice dude so Yeah, so then I've been playing guitar since I was 12, and then I started teaching myself drums when I was, like, 16, and then, yeah, that was that, basically.
0: Um, That was kind of my trajectory, too. Like, I I started with violin in late elementary school, and then went to guitar. Um, But you, like, grew up in Portland? Uh, I grew up in Seattle, or, like, outside Um, of it. Okay. Like, the suburbs uh were your parents like kind of like i don't know what were your parents like besides being strict (laughs) Besides being strict um i don't know um my
1: dad is definitely stricter than my mom um and he's dead now but he was Mm -hmm. like uh basically he worked in like sales for like an elevator company and then for a uh, like medical a few medical companies like selling and like marketing um like cat scans and x-rays and shit like that um and he's very charismatic and like kind of a entertainer type um mm-hmm. and then my mom uh was in school when i was younger like studying for a degree in uh, psychology basically and uh sort of like soci a lot like i don't know if she i don't think she majored specifically in sociology her major is something like very specific but now she works as like a social worker and sort of like a therapist for um kind of like at risk youth or like um yeah at like sort of a community facility um that's cool yeah growing up uh i feel like my life is very like pretty normal like white bread like for middle class like Uh, yeah
0: i wasn't sure (laughs) i felt like i felt like it could go that way or like i could see your parents being like bohemian like hippie type people
1: (laughs) no i really wish i mean i think like that's my upbringing has shaped my interest in the arts extensively because it was something i was not exposed to like a lot of people i meet in new york grew up you know adjacent to like indie rock superstars or like their parents are artists or they just like have been around the arts and like music their whole lives whereas like i only found out about it through the internet and through like the you know digging through cds at the library and stuff like yeah, my yeah. parents didn't know any artists and they don't they don't know that much about music or like yeah popular culture so like it was kind of an escape for me or like do you have siblings I do have a younger brother named
0: Maddie who is 20 right now.
1: Word. He just texted me to tell me that Rush Limbaugh has lung cancer.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I saw that trending today. Man, Twitter's kind of like an intense place right now.
1: I bet. (laughs) With the
0: Iowa caucuses today.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. Let's go Bernie, baby
0: uh when did you start like play, did you play in bands before you started turtlenecks um uh wait wait. did i play in bands
1: yeah i had i played in a band called cavalier in high school that was sort of a pop punk band and i played dace and did like backup vocals and i did that for like a year probably and then uh maybe a year and a half or something. And then that was basically my only like real band. Like I played, like I remember playing at a church once. And then I also played at like um, some talent show at my junior high with my friends.
0: Uh, Oh, hell yeah. 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 We covered, um, we covered a Deftone song instrumental at my, my seventh grade talent show. That's pretty sick. Yeah. (laughs) So when did Turtleneck start then? Turtlenecks began
1: in uh, 2014. I think that was my first release, or maybe it says 2015, but I started writing in 2014 pretty much, seriously. Hold on, let me check on this hot water real quick. I have to get tea. Yeah, go ahead. Edit, it. It. edit yeah, this out. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back. All right. Let's go. Yeah, so I guess uh, my question is what was happening around that time when you started Turtlenecked and what was kind of like leading to that? And like, what was your intention starting it? And like, what were you thinking about doing when you started it? What was the plan? I don't know. I guess I just had, um,
1: I mentioned this a long time ago in this, like, brief little interview, but, like, I basically went to college, and I had always kind of considered myself a musician, um, you know, because I had played instruments my whole life, but I had never really, like, I don't know, felt the drive to, like, write my own songs, or when I had tried to write songs in, like, high school, I was just like, I don't really have anything to write about, or, like, I didn't have any good ideas, or I didn't really know how to go about songwriting, like, at all, Mm. and so... I got to college, and I like met a lot more like musicians there because, um, I mean, I was like from the suburbs where there was like none. So, I was kind of felt the pressure to be like, oh, like I'm actually, I-, I don't know, I'm actually not a musician. I haven't like made anything, and so I was kind of driven by like external forces to like prove myself. I feel like, and I was. I don't know. It was just kind of fun. And I was like, I love music and I was like a huge, huge music nerd, but I was like, I should try like making my own shit. So I don't know what I was necessarily thinking at the time, but. You
0: know. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, like, uh, like, a, like a sub, like a subconscious drive or just like, I want to do, I want to do this. And you're just like, not even thinking about it. It's like kind of like a primal thing, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. You uh, released Twisted Legs in uh, September 2015, according to Bandcamp. How was that like for you making that? And like, was that that was the first time you like uh, put together like a like uh, a release? Yeah, definitely. And what made you like uh, decide to record it on your own? Uh, I don't know. I just didn't
1: know anything about recording and I had a microphone and. I bought an interface and I just, I had liked a lot of, I liked a lot of bedroom musician stuff, I guess. And, um, I don't know, like when I look back on things, it makes me realize how little I think about a lot of decisions that I make and how things just kind of happen. Like I seem to just like fall into random stuff, but yeah, I just, um, had the one microphone and, uh, I just did everything in stages basically. Like I wrote like 20, or 25 songs i think like they're all they all sucked you know and then i just took five and then the summer i was home from college the first summer i like recorded them all like first drums and then bass guitar and the other stuff because i had nothing else to do um and uh yeah i just like did each drum like individually so i just put the mic on the snare drum and then just played through the whole song and hit it because I just didn't know how to record music and like it probably would have sounded better if I just put one mic on the whole kit and played it normally but I was uh-huh. I thought I would like cheat cheat the system and like have like a five mic sound you know wow, that's interesting But it just, it just sounded really weird and like I also didn't know how to like EQ or produce anything so it just sounds really weird now but I think that's yeah. kind of fun
0: yeah I mean I was kind of impressed that it sounds like you like it um, like from the beginning it seems like you kinda had uh your own sound and it has been consistent throughout the releases. Um so like for me for me, like <laughs> like not only did I not have like the like uh wherewithal or like the understanding that I should release songs as like a like a a release. Like I should have all this I should put a bunch of songs into one release. I I didn't like I was just like I just want to make a song and put it up immediately. And mm-hmm. like do like this instant gratification route, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, right I think it. I think it's pretty uh cool that you were able to do it off the bat and like knew that you know knew that put, I don't like putting them out together was the way to go.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean maybe it is the way to go. I also
0: just feel like I do not I don't know. It's well were you trying to like play the game did you know that you wanted to like get press eventually and like have a band or like what were you not thinking about any of that
1: I don't think I was thinking about any of that. I think I just wanted to prove that I like was a musician and like could release something. And it felt a lot more substantial to release like a collection of songs than one song. Mm. Although looking back, I kind of wish I had just released one song at a time. Cause that feels like a more contemporary way of releasing music or something. Yeah. Or, like a better way to like get your footing, you know, just like release the best song you have at any point in time. But
0: yeah. I don't know. I think there's definitely something to that. Um, I think there's like, two kind of like intentions behind releasing one song at a time like obviously now like you can release a single and like really market yourself off of that or like you know try to get one song playlisted on streaming services or whatever but there's also mm-hmm. know the aspect of like I think releasing one song is way more like uh, artful or like immediate like um I don't know uh more like genuine almost like uh like this is what i did you know like uh this, mm-hmm. is, this is i don't know the immediacy of it feels more real you know anyways did you have a band at that point or like when did you um get a band together to start playing shows
1: um, I did not have, well, I did get a band together after that release, like just to play those songs. Cause those are the only songs I had. And I finished that album, like, I think right as I started my sophomore year of college. And so the first show was like with my two friends, Max and Jackson, I played bass and sang, and then they played guitar and drum. So it was like a three piece and we booked a show in the laundry room of one of the dorm buildings. And uh, it was just like late at night and like completely unauthorized. So like the RAs were like, you have to stop playing right now or we're going to call campus security. And uh, we sort of kept playing and then just ran, but we never got in trouble weirdly enough. But Hmm. that was, I don't know. I just had the idea for the show and I think that's why the band kind of came together. Like crazy. Yeah. Did people come through? Yeah, it was well attended. There's like a, it was like there's probably like 30 people in this laundry room, which was kind of sick. I mean, the sound was horrible because the floor is concrete and the walls are concrete, and yeah. like there's like nothing for it to like be the sound to be softened or dampened by. So it was just like inaudible, just noise basically. Damn, that rules though. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And then uh, I did another one of those shows where it was in another dorm building, common room. So. That one, and that one I don't think got shut down either, but it was similar vibes where just, like, I don't know. I just wanted to, like, kind of stir up some shit. I honestly have forgotten all about that stuff until now, so.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I should do some more shit like that, but I don't know what the New York equivalent is, just, like, playing on yeah, some subway. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. There must be something. Just just yeah, that'd some, be sick. I, some way to just stir it up, I think. I um, wish, dude. I wish there was more, like pot stirring and diy shows yeah um where did you go to college again went to lewis and clark college in portland oregon and what did you go for english literature oh yeah um so let's talk about the next release from you which is uh the romantics yeah, all right the... let's go fuck it yeah dude
1: going through the discography
0: yeah what was up with
1: that one that one so that one I just got more I mean that one I made in my dorm so I like that was and I didn't have a drum set really so I was sort of forced to work with like garage band instruments and that was kind of the beginning of me like using the sampler or like the built-in sounds and i was also just trying to experiment with different genres cuz the first one i was just like okay i'm going to make like some indie rock pop and then the second one i was like well i'm going to try and do something like more aligned to what i was listening to at the time um so there's just i was trying to do some emo stuff and some pop stuff and some more dancey stuff and just more digital sounding
0: yeah and uh to me yeah. it sounds like you know basically doing what you do like it's it's pretty consistent how like you have a wide range of influences that are all like based on kind of like catchiness in one way or another yeah Um, whether it's like rhythm or melody you know some songs are more like like rhythmically catchy you know um (laughs) i really liked that that girls like gazelles song that one's real poppy and i also liked the fucker part one and two (laughs) That one's, that one's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Goes from pop to metal. Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, so did you, like, uh, you just, like, recorded these songs, put them together, and put it out? Was there any sort of, like, um, like, uh, promotion or anything at that point yet? No, not really. This was all just, Both of these were just for me.
1: Like at this point in time, I really had zero involvement in like the music world, like in very little involvement in the Portland scene. And I had like very little expectation that me making music could go anywhere because I had never really done it before. So Mm -hmm. I was just kind of uploading it for myself and for my friends and a few people around me who cared. I mean, that's still how it is. But
0: yeah, yeah. it seems like i mean you did a lot it, you were like really kind of prolific for the first few years um yeah definitely this sub reptilian nui release which was, seems like it was to quote you some random acoustic bedroom jams i had to get out of my system unquote yeah <laughs> is this some is are these releases any like things you think about still do you ever go back and listen to them very occasionally and it's mostly just kind
1: of like i don't know it it doesn't bring me joy it definitely i just listen to it and i'm like wow like this is so weird or like i had such a weird idea of um i don't know what made songs good or like what i wanted to do like my taste felt really weird so i don't know um i do listen to it and I don't know. I think I've always been kind of the same level of prolific, but now I just spend a lot of more time in like post-production. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like the songs are written and then I have like, instead of just releasing the first like five songs that I write, I like write like 50 and then I only release like 10. And then after I pick the 10, I spend like much longer time producing them. Like these things, like I would record and produce them like super quickly because I just didn't know what I was doing. And there was also like no expectation of like how good they should be
0: right yeah i was gonna uh, yeah like right after i said that i was thinking the same thing like you're pretty i mean you're doing what you did then it's just you're more like thoughtful about it yeah i feel like the stakes are higher or
1: i'm trying to outdo myself so that's harder and harder
0: yeah um i missed the swish one when i was going through um what was what was swish about
1: swish was so i actually made this after pure plush bone cage it says it was released before but because that's because i re-released pure plush bone cage after it on this portland label that was like my first label release
0: so i put it out myself so pure plush came Uh, after sub reptilian yeah yeah okay Um, and um but
1: but swish yeah chronologically it came before swish but it was re-released after
0: swish so interesting was it like a lesser, like, why was, were they both on good cheer? No, Swish was just self-released. What's the reasoning?
1: For yeah. self-releasing
0: it? As a, I mean, what's the reason, yeah, what's the reason Swish was self-released as opposed to pure plush considering they came out?
1: Um, I think like generally when I make an album, I like make the album and then I have like a bunch of other songs that are like more like silly or I don't think like that, like kind of just are like offshoots or like B-sides or something mm-hmm. like that's still true to this day. And mm-hmm. so I think Switch was kind of like the offshoots and B-sides I was making during Pure
0: Plush. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get a chance uh, to listen to it. So I think maybe I would have picked up on that had I done so.
1: Mm. um well yeah it's just like the first half it's like a black metal song kind of like an indie pop song an ambient song or the yeah Or the first song is power pop the fourth song is like black metal and then the last four are like dj venmo tracks which are basically me trying out like techno um r&b um it's kind of remixing my friends and then write two remixes of my friends songs where i like sing or rap or something on them so
0: Whoa, i gotta was, check out a uh, black metal song
1: yeah it's called abscond i think you'll like it that was trying to rip off like liturgy and like Dude, um, liturgy is so sick
0: i know they're cool <laughs> um so well yeah the pure Plush is like when you started like really coming into your own in a way i mean it's probably the wildest one which one pure plus yeah, yeah. but it's also you know the one that you started catching some buzz off of mm-hmm. um so how did that come about and like how did it feel to like start doing it a little bit more seriously and have people like see it
1: Oh wait, sorry, I got distracted. Say that again. <laughs>
0: sorry. <laughs> um, how did like? How did it come together? What was your feeling about it? Like, this is the first time. It seems like you're really like taking it seriously. And people are seeing it, and like, oh wow. yeah. But it's also like a very kind of um, particular release, as opposed to pretty much anything else you've done. I mean, all the songs are two minutes or less, and that's very like. I don't know, it's it's like its own thing, you know, it's like a very specific type of idea, I feel like, behind this one.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I think just at that point I was like, okay, well, three releases, or four, or whatever, and they're like a bunch of EPs, and I was like... I should make like a full length album and like I had been fucking around with various styles, you know, kind of like kind of sampling stuff. And I was like, I want to make something in a very like specific aesthetic and like have it be very cohesive. And so I imposed like limitations on um, what I would allow myself to do. So I was like, no songs longer than two minutes. And um i mean it still draws i still think it's like kind of genre hopping all the time but like the production and everything kind of keeps it together i think and um yeah i was like i want one 10 minute long song at the end just Uh because like a bunch of the albums i liked at the time did that so that's pretty um, sick
0: yeah i remember you talking on the kexp performance about the limitations thing yeah i honestly should get back to that i haven't been doing that for
1: since this album basically
0: yeah, same here. When I started uh doing comps, it was like uh trying to keep it as simple as possible, you know, and like uh and since then I've really kind of like allowed my old impulses to resurface, but I don't know, it's hard. It's hard to especially when, you know, I know how it is, like, working, uh, kind of, like, having, like, a very insular and isolated process of, like, writing and recording. It's really, like, easy to get away from yourself. Right. I don't know. It's, um, the
1: limitations thing was good. I think it resulted in a very cohesive product, and, like, it, it like that, it did help with something that I think a lot of solo artists struggle with, which is, like, kind of keeping yourself in check because when you have a band there to kind of check you, like, I feel like you don't indulge your like silliest ideas as much, you mm-hmm. know, like cause totally. you're embarrassed or something. And I feel like you can kind of simulate that kind of checks and balances by like coming up with your own rules. So yeah.
0: Yeah. There totally. we
1: go. Album number LP one turtleneck.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did it like, What was it about it this time that, like, was it just the Good Cheer affiliation that got eyes on it? Or, like, what, how did, uh, uh, I
1: think at this point in time I had met Isaac in Portland and, like, a bunch of Portland bands. And so I put it out and I was friends with some people who knew Isaac
0: and Isaac from Strange Ranger, if anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. For clarification. And, um, I think he, posted the song mondrian on the strange ranger facebook page or something and then my other friend mo troper heard it and like this was when good cheer was like much younger i think so he contacted me and was like blah 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 like we want to put out your album on tape like re-release it and uh i met him at a coffee shop for the first time ever and it was all super exciting for me because i am um, I had already, like, known his music, like, through the local scene and, like, seeing his, like, pitchfork coverage and shit. So I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and then they re-released it on cassette. And I did one run of yellow tapes and one run of pink tapes. And
0: uh, the rest is history. (laughs) Um, Did you, at that point, were you thinking, like, I want to start taking this more seriously like did you tour it all were you thinking about um... uh i didn't tour it at all i did play a bunch of portland shows for it i mean that
1: was yeah everything was just starting to come together then so that was that was probably the first time i felt like someone actually gave a shit or i was like operating at like an uh like inoffensive level or something where people would actually like listen to it or something you know Mm -hmm. instead of just like my friends Mm mm-hmm so, I don't know. And that obviously, was
0: cool. you like wanted people to hear it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still also felt... I mean, it was like a tape label in Portland, and I just felt like... It didn't make me feel like I could make a career out of it, but... Okay. Definitely getting coverage on, like, the fader and Stereo Gum was, like, crazy. Um, yeah. And
0: just really, just really fun. That was so. just, like, a natural thing. like. Uh...
1: So, that just came by way of Blake Hickman who runs good cheer and he like did all the PR for it. Um, wow. so he had the hookups with the blogs and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I wonder how he's got that. You think he just emails people?
1: Um, he emails people. I'm, I i do not know. It's some of it's like weird connections. I can talk more about this with later albums too. Um, I think when he started, like, you know, when this album came out like three years ago or whatever, like for four years, he, um, uh would like pay a pr person to do it and like they have all the connections you know mm-hmm. and you just like pay them to hit up their connections and send the album around but now i don't know if that's as common i think people find stuff more directly through like twitter or like friends and friends and stuff like it seemed like pr wasn't working out like um in the most recent years so i don't know
0: yeah it definitely did not work out for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it seems insane i have no idea how any of that stuff works yeah i guess you just have to know somebody that knows somebody yeah um well what was this caveat release the caveat caveat released september 14th 2016 so yeah caveat was basically
1: a collection i of songs i wrote over the summer that i got signed to good cheer to put up the tape and i was trying to just make some stuff that i would just write on one electric guitar that could just be played alone and um trying to focus more on lyrics and um just recording everything on like one take and i think it kind of sounds like shit but i was trying to make it sound like beat happening on purpose but at this point in time i didn't realize that you actually needed like nice tape equipment to get the beat happening sound but i was just trying to go for Go for the like DIY, um, kind of like raw, straight
0: up thing just to release something like quickly and yeah, fun. Uh, that's so sick. Yeah, I actually noted that production was like sounding better on that one. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I probably just knew a lot more at this point. Uh, this is like post pure plush and post
1: um swish. So, like, even when I was just trying to record one off shit, it, it had a little bit more knowledge, just like where to put a mic or. Yeah, and how and it was how to compress a compressive vocal or something.
0: It's so. also so much more minimal, you know.
1: Yeah, it's super minimal, so it's not cluttered with noise. plus I wanted it to be like really fuzzy and lo-fi. So,
0: yeah, how do you, what's the reason like why do you think this one was not on Good Cheer either? No, I just released this myself for fun. So that's probably why it didn't get as many um people listening compared to probably Flush. probably uh
1: I didn't really intend for a lot of people to listen to it because I feel like you can I was just looking up mm-hmm. it, like stuff in case is like me like figuring out or trying out stuff, and then uppercase stuff is more like official releases Whoa. I feel like. yeah i i don't I don't think that was even that intentional, but it just happened to be that way, so
0: that's pretty cool that's a little neat little thing, <laughs> little <laughs> that's neat, I, inside the artist.
1: Yeah. I think Isaac thinks that Caveat is like my best album ever, but like that's just because he's he has a particular taste. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, that's cool. So you just like recorded it and put it out basically? Yep, really fast. Um And then you released a single, which was part of Vulture, so let's just talk about Vulture. Yes. The single has an
1: interesting story to it, honestly. Okay, what's the story? <laughs> so I released Voice Club, the first single, the day that... It was the day after Trump was elected. And um, a bunch of artists... Like, I had the single like planned for a while, you know, and I just didn't... I think because everyone thought Hillary was going to be elected, I didn't really think about the context of it being released. You know, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll have a new like, vaguely positive president and I uh, will put out this song. But instead, Trump got elected, which was just mind blowing for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I have this song, Boys Club, which was released the day after, which is sort of like a politically charged song. Um, and when all the artists were, all these artists were releasing songs the week after the election, like spin magazine did a feature on artists who were like donating all their profits to um, like different, like civil liberties unions or like charities and whatnot to kind of, retaliate against the election Mm -hmm. and I had done that as well like I had talked to Blake and I was like let's release let's continue to release it the day after but let's just like have all the profits go to like the ACLU or something Mm -hmm. and um so that that happened and then I think I got a lot of coverage because of that that's how I think that's how my like booking agent or like former booking agent Greg Horbel, um discovered me and ended up booking me helping me book a tour
0: across the u.s interesting do you still uh work with greg at all um
1: i still talk to him and see him around but i haven't like planned any tours or like i don't know i haven't we haven't like had like a professional relationship recently so i I don't know (laughs) scratch that from the record (laughs) i don't know but yeah so that happened yeah, and that's sick, that the album.
0: So you guys had like uh, an album cycle planned for Vulture.
1: Yeah, that one was probably the biggest rollout of all of them.
0: So, so far, I guess. <laughs> how did it feel putting it together? And how did it feel doing the album cycle? Were you stressed? Were you excited? Um, I was really excited because Pure plush had gone so well,
1: and like I just didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, so I like, uh, I don't know. And I was also like, I basically recorded the album over the summer of 2016 in my living room in Portland. And my friend Garrett Link like recorded the whole thing basically and like gave me a bunch of cool tools to use. So that felt like the most professional recording I'd done yet. Like he has like a really amazing, like, 60s like supro amp that sounds amazing and like all of these like boutique pedals that i got to like play with so that whole process like kind of felt like i was going into a studio and like being allowed to like step up the fidelity of like different tones and everything and you
0: like mix the whole thing so um, pretty much everything about it sounds next level you know it sounds like you leveled up a lot and yeah like even the performances are like way more expressive and the songs are i think you know more uh sophisticated sounding thank you how do you how <laughs> do you like it does it hold up for you do you listen to it um no i don't really listen to it i also don't even think
1: it holds up that well i feel like I don't know. I have a lot of regrets about it
0: because it got critically panned. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask about this. Ian Cohen did not. It was not very nice about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he I gave know. It, like, He didn't. He didn't give it like a terrible score, like a six or something. Yeah, I got a six, which he is, is just, like you know middling. He was really uh, blunt about you know some of his feelings about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I feel
1: mixed about that too. Like. I would, had never like received. I mean, I went from having like zero criticism on my music, you know, and like zero publicity to having like all of it in like the span of a year, kind of like yeah. So I had I had like no, I there's no, I had no idea that this album would be reviewed by Pitchfork or that anyone would really care about it. Like I thought it would just be like another kind of local, low key yeah. thing.
0: That's so scary. So,
1: it is, and I mean. I don't know. I also just, um, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't prepping an album for like mainstream um, dissemination and criticism. And I don't know. I have a lot of different feelings about it. Like I do regret a lot because I think some of the lyrics are like the worst parts of it and what makes it like bad to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things I like about it a lot. Um, And I definitely like, it definitely like changed a lot about the way I make music or like the way I write lyrics or think about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the time I had just had like a lot of angst that I wanted to express. And I kind of felt like, I i don't know. I didn't, I didn't think my music was that cynical or came across that way, but the review made me definitely like take a second look at it. I always thought my music was kind of playful while being cynical or something, but I think the cynicism perhaps like outweighs it so i don't know that's something i've and i don't really feel like a cynical person i just feel angsty and like <laughs> confused or something so i've been trying to uh i don't know post that i've tried to write in a style that's more representative of the way that i feel and act mm-hmm. in real life i guess or like is more like the music i like so
0: yeah that makes sense that's really interesting it sounds like he was more or less positive then i mean for your growth anyways definitely yeah um i don't know i guess i would have liked more critical
1: opinions on it because i really only got his and it's just like one guy's opinion so i do value that but i would have been interested to hear what like other people had said if i had gotten other reviews but
0: yeah I I, i always think that i'm like prepared for my music to like be like um critiqued by like a major publication or whatever but then i'm like i i start thinking about it like realistically i'm like oh god this would there's no way like it would be received in the way that i want it to be but then when Mm -hmm. you're making it you also have in mind that no one's gonna listen to it so you kind of like slack off in certain places or like do things like that you probably wouldn't do if you knew for sure that it was going to be reviewed You know, by publication.
1: I mean, I think just like you, like everybody has like a critical muscle. And like at this point in time, like there was no reason for me to exercise it in such a severe or like intense way or Mm -hmm. like because there just wasn't the attention and I just didn't know that much about music. And I was just kind of like, I didn't know what was going to happen, so I, there was there was no reason for me to be like hypercritical of my work because I didn't. I was basically just making it for me, and um, when it when I realized that like a lot of people were going to be like listening to it and like criticizing it, I was kind of blown away because I had just never even considered some of the like criticisms that were like leveled at it and uh right so post that i've definitely been much more keen about the way that songs will be interpreted or like the way that characters are created or like w- just the general vibe of a song like what how it feels like overall beyond like particular you know riffs or instruments or like aesthetic choices so
0: i don't know it was a, it was a learning experience but i feel like all of my albums are <laughs> yeah totally uh i mean it really shows that you took you know that to heart and like really uh internalize it because high scores of the heart that came out next in uh april 2018 is you know the most tight you know and like polished record that you've done up till that point thank you (laughs) what um did you record this one yourself um I did, I did all of it's
1: recorded. Well, most of it's recorded myself. I mean, it High sounds Squares was like
0: it sounds pro. I don't know like what you did to like level up between <laughs> um between recording Pure Plush and caveat and all that. Well, honestly, it
1: has to do with Springtime in Hell, the following release. It's this is kind of like a swish Pure Plush situation where I was making Springtime in Hell after like while I was rolling out vulture and like all of i i don't know like while i was making springtime in Hell, i made high scores of the heart as like throwaway or like fun tracks like i made i was working at this it desk in the library at lewis and clark and um usually like no one would come up so i would be able to like screw around and fiddle with logic for like hours on end um and so i was just getting way more into like making beats and trying to make like music like the electronic music that I would like. Um, while at the same time, like working on this rock album, which was like Springtime in Hell, which is kind of like this sort of like rock opera thing. And yeah, basically, totally. what, basically what ended up happening is over the course of that, like, so my friend Jesse Robertson produced Springtime in Hell, and he's like an excellent producer, like much better than me. And I just learned like a ton from him. So I applied that to high scores, which I produced myself. And then... um I ended up liking high scores even more than springtime. So I released high scores first and then I cut like six or seven of the tracks from springtime and then released it as an EP afterwards.
0: So they're kind of like,
1: yeah, it's super weird rollout, but yeah. Are you able to hear Dookie? I can hear him. Yeah. He's going ape shit in the
0: background. One sec. (sighs) Okay uh okay so yeah uh high scores in springtime and hell were kind of like companion pieces then
1: yes that's i had the art done by the same artist
0: and um
1: yeah they're made at the same time basically but just kind of in different styles so
0: yeah and released uh through goods yeah both of them what kind of stuff were you, like, into at the time? Because springtime and hell, I kind of get, like, a, like you said, like, rock opera, or, like, I I hear, like, kind of, like, 60s, kind of more like a 60s thing.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. Let me look at the full spring. I wish I didn't delete my last FM or, like, forget my Oh, yeah, book, dude. Because then I would be able to look at exactly what. I don't know. Uh, also, during springtime, I, like, deleted at my entire iTunes library and switched to Spotify. So Mm -hmm. that kind of fucked my archiving of information.
0: But, um. Dude, if I don't have, like, if I didn't have, like, a Facebook, I would not know my past. (laughs) There's so much stuff that I would have forgotten and, like, the timeline of it and, like, when stuff Mm -hmm. happened. I have no idea unless I'm, like, go back through my social media or, like, files, you know. Damn, I haven't been on Facebook in like so long. I bet it would.
1: I bet I would find some insane shit on there. Honestly. Yeah.
0: Honestly, I get like anxiety about like Facebook suddenly being like deleted or something, and like I really want to go <laughs> through and archive, like all my posts, uh, and like put them on like a hard drive or something. Because otherwise, like I seriously like just would not. I'd forget everything. There's so many, I know. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know when stuff happened. I know.
1: That's. I mean. That's how I feel about. The whole, like, I, I don't know what I, when I was listening to during this period. I remember this is like when I studied abroad in Spain and I remember like listening to specific stuff there, like over and over that period in time, I got like really into primal scream and I got really into like, um, I was really into Jens Lechman before that. Um, I was really into Royal headache. um, What else? There's like particular albums that I just like blasted on repeat. Like I was just like chain smoking, walking around Spain, like listening to American music. Yeah, it rocked. (laughs) Um, uh, Lies was kind of like public image limited rip off. Um, I was definitely into like cymbals, the guitars, heavy. There's kind of a thing where like I have like a delayed response to the artist that, I'm listening to like, I end up like an album or two down the road. I start ripping them off. So like, I wasn't really ripping off Primal Scream here or like, I like, I was listening to public image limited and simple guitars, like the year prior to making springtime. And so, yeah, I don't know, but just like a lot more, like I wanted to make like a more ambitious rock record. And I also wanted to like refute the criticisms leveled against vulture where like the ambition and the scope were greater, and the lyrics were more like personal and urgent kind of and and more specific and but um and I ended up just not even liking it, so I just cut like half of the songs and just released what I thought were the best five I guess so um did you tour around this time uh so this is when I toured vulture it's kind of when I was working on the like a month long tour around the US basically.
0: Mm. And so uh how do I mean like what uh how did you how did you feel when you finally released uh, high scores because I mean it was the longest time that you get spent on one project uh until. yeah.
1: Um I felt pretty good about releasing high scores. I was in this was post tour so I was back in Portland in my senior year of school. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, coming back from that tour, like even though the album poorly, it felt like an accomplishment and I felt like more of a professional musician than ever. And it felt cool to be in school and also doing music at a high level and releasing music, like in that state of mind, just felt really, I felt comfortable about it. And I felt comfortable about releasing something that was like a little more wacky or like, you know, me trying out new things because I felt confident about doing whatever I wanted. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I feel like High Score is probably one of my best releases to date. So I'm pretty. Pleased oh yeah, I
0: mean it's like the most like I like said before polished, um, uh, like consistent. You know, it's most thank focused. you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what so? Uh, I guess that brings us to now. I mean, what's going on? I know you got an album pretty much done right
1: yeah so right now i'm doing this thing i've always like a rock album and then a tape going on like this this trend dates back to pure plush and swish and then high scores and uh springtime or vulture and caveat like that that's i keep doing that same thing and i think that's I know, like Animal Collective, do that where they alternate an EP and an album, and the EPs kind of bridge the gap between styles. Yeah, so I feel like that, that's that's kind of happening right now. And I'm also gonna do the same thing as High Scores, where I release the mixtape before the album. So I have a mixtape called Lifestyles that I'm trying to finish by Valentine's Day, and I'm just gonna release it with like no PR and nothing because it's just for me. And wow. then. I have a album called Kapow, which I will release later in 2020. I also just want to, like, kind of hit the world with two releases in one year since I've been relatively quiet since 2018,
0: so... Yeah, totally. There's that. I love the little, like, nuance that... And, like, the little, like, uh... I don't know what the word is, like, uh... Fuck, like, uh specific like nuances do you know the word i'm trying to hit, say it starts with an i maybe
1: uh idiosyncrasies
0: basically <laughs> i mean that's basically the word i'm looking for but i don't know if that's the exact one but regardless i um uh, i mean those are just little things that people don't really pick up on unless they're looking closely but it's like you know it represents the depth you know of the the artistry and uh i don't know It's uh, easy for those things to go unnoticed and unappreciated. Um, No, it's true. So, I don't know. Okay, so tell me again, uh, Lifestyles by Valentine's Day, and then Kapow.
1: Later later on, I guess. Yeah, even though they were made in...
0: Are you going to do any, like, label pitching and stuff for, for Kapow?
1: um i've tried a little bit but i don't know it doesn't seem like anybody's interested and frankly i don't really give a fuck anymore so i'm just gonna put it out for myself because that makes me happier and if somebody wants to put it out that would be amazing but i don't know that's it i yeah i don't know i feel like i had more fun when i cared less about what other people thought and what I mean, this is all kind of like, you know, a given, but like, obviously, like not worrying so much about the release and like how people will receive it or if it'll make money or something like ignoring all those makes for like a better time. So I'm going to try and do that. But
0: yeah, maybe I should get back into that because I was thinking about maybe like doing an indie EP, an independently released EP myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I did that for so long where I was just, like, releasing stuff, I'm not, like, really trying to put it out there. And I felt like, I don't know, I was, like, uh, kind of, like, denying myself from what I was actually wanting, which was, like, for people to listen to it, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's It does suck to release something and then have nobody to it and then you're just kind of like well what was that yeah. for yeah yeah but i feel like if you have faith in your own stuff and like just try and disregard any outside forces then it yeah feels a lot better
0: yeah i think like the ideal situation would be to like you know garner that or like uh grow that audience uh but you know playing the little album cycle game or whatever you need to do and then Mm -hmm. you know then stop doing that once you have people that like are your fans you know once you have some fans or like an amount of fans that you're comfortable with Uh, definitely um
1: i don't know i don't know how anything works
0: (laughs) yeah i don't either it's so hard to get anyone to care it's like so stressful
1: yeah who cares then you i feel like if i'm just trying to ignore party on my own terms and if people want to come then that's fine and if they don't then they can fuck off so hell yeah (laughs) that's that's just the best way to go about it
0: well that's punk that's punk to me hell yeah Uh,
1: i don't know i mean i kind of feel like that's kind of what strange ranger have done in a way i mean it's not like they're not successful but they are just like For a long time, they've built up a fan base of people who really, really care about them, and they haven't had like ton of like, buzz or something. And I feel like the buzz is coming later. And I feel like that's kind of ideal, honestly, because you're, you've, it's not just like you have this buzz, and then it's gone. Like, there's a large group of people who like, care about their music in like a very, like, long lasting way. And
0: I don't know. Yeah, that I seems mean, they're, ideal. Ba- they're totally just like the type that they're gonna do their thing regardless if anybody is paying attention. Um, yeah. But by doing that, it's like a consistent like effort that people notice. I don't know. You got any more questions for me? What's going on? Um. Well, we we you know we can get get to the real shit, Jeff. Come on. Um, Tear me apart. I've got I've got some like life like life type of questions like living in new york and like mm-hmm. how you f- feel about that and then i've got oh. some more like okay. songwriting writing related questions and then i've okay. also got just like what kind of movies you've been watching type questions hell yeah let's so let's, let's do let's up. just yeah let's just go through those three and then we can uh wrap or we can keep going i don't care hell yeah let's do it uh i'm ready so yeah how long have you been in new york city one and a half years. How do you like it? Um, it's okay.
1: It's pretty good. It's it's uh, up and down, but I have a lot of fun, and I also have very bad times.
0: <laughs> yeah. Does it has it influenced your like output and like the way you write at all? Um, it
1: has. I definitely like. Uh, am now I'm more driven by style. I'm like more interested in style than ever before. Like I've always like feel like I've tried to listen to very or been interested in very stylish music, but now I want to like make that. And I feel like I have the production skills and like taste and like age ability to kind of achieve that. Like I feel like before I've always kind of failed stylistically and I feel like the passion and like, the feeling for music is there, but I haven't been able to like express it in the way that I want. And I feel like I'm closer to that than ever. And I feel like living in New York has helped because there's more pressure to be stylish and to like, in, I don't know, like ever, people care about music here and it's just like, there's more potential for actual success. So mm-hmm, totally, I don't, I don't know. All that stuff is like kind of a, what's the word, like a crucible for (laughs) making good stuff, I think. But yeah, it's also harder because I get distracted all the time. There's a bajillion distractions and like work to be done and like rent to be paid. So I'm just trying to make music in between. Yeah,
0: I totally feel that. I wish I lived in New York. Um, I feel like everywhere else is just, you know, it's just never going to reach that. Like the ceiling is so much lower, and I don't know. Like Philly is cool, and I definitely like living here, and I'm very happy to be here. Um, uh huh. There's you know people in New York that you're not going to meet anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Definitely. People you're going to see that you're not going to see. Definitely. Um. So I got I don't know. How do you start writing a song? Whoa. All right. Uh, I feel like
1: it varies it's like i'm trying to think like let me look at more recent example like sometimes recently i've been coming up with song titles, trying to write songs like after the fact um i feel like some that actually helps me write like things that i find to be stylish like kind of like top down like if it has a cool title then i can like try and live up to that title because like when i look at like track lists for albums that come out i usually like listen to the singles and then i scan the track list for like song titles that i think are like the coolest and like some songs are just some of the best songs are just like one person saying like a cool phrase over and over again yeah absolutely. i don't know and now that i'm addicted to style and shit i'm just (laughs) trying to do some of that stuff so i don't know So, uh, recently I've been, yeah, coming up with titles and then writing songs after
0: that. And then... That's interesting because it's, like, uh, I haven't done that specifically. I'm curious about trying it now, but for me, I kind of, like, do the same thing, but, like, setting, like, an intention. Like, Mm -hmm. what kind of song am I trying to write? Like, what, like, mood and, like, what... Like, what's my feeling, you know, trying to write the song, like, a. It's, it's it's usually not it do, it usually doesn't start with noodling you know it starts with sure with cerebral you know it's uh, kind of like a more uh, you're thinking about it before you start it definitely
1: yeah I definitely do more of a top down thing than like you know coming up with a riff that I like and then building a song around that I definitely think I'm more like a, I want to rip off this genre or like yeah. I want to like push this. Idea to its like logical conclusion or just like it would be funny for me to do this because that's like out of my wheelhouse or like I think it would people out or like people will like I don't know there's a lot of different considerations that go into it and that being said like recently a lot of the like I actually have been doing I guess I'm kind of lying I think recently I have been doing a lot of noodling too so it's but more just in the way of like making beats and then I like make some kind of beat that I find interesting and then I'll build the song around that I don't know I'm I'm really like worried about making rock music or like Mm. not making rock music so I why is that um, well I just don't know I worry that it's like a dead genre and it's a dead genre just like it's like painting you know like painting will always be popular basically and i but at the same time i feel the urge to like move music forward or like make music that sounds contemporary or like that it could be contemporary in the future because i like am wary of like retro culture and retro styles because it all seems like very casual and like um like regressive or something so
0: yeah Uh, i definitely feel that and i have that same anxiety about playing rock but then i get stressed out because i don't really have the skill i don't know i never i'm never happy with my product when i start on any instrument other than guitar yeah interesting and you know it's hard to write a song that's not a rock song when you're playing on guitar I know it um, is. So I don't know. For me, I'm thinking like about just going full into like you know you've heard my newer song like making more kind of like straight up emo alternative rock. Yeah. So, like I, I know I can do that, you know, and I know there is a you know a demographic and an audience that listens to it, but it's not hmm. necessarily you know I want to write cool stuff. Yeah. I don't I mean, know how to write like an email alternative song to keep it cool it's hard but then <laughs> when you're keeping it cool like the you're not gonna get you know you're sacrificing a particular audience you know
1: for sure for sure i guess at this point i don't i don't care i'm just i'm just down for the cool life whatever that means i'm just gonna yeah, try i just c-
0: want to like you whether people listen or not you just kind of want to like I kind of just participate in like the pushing of the uh I don't know, in vogue type of sound. Or like, I just like in the evolution of music or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I just read uh essay well two of them, On On Style and uh Against Interpretation. And she's basically just talking about how people like understand art through the binary of form and content or like style and style and content basically. And she's just positing or like making the argument that, um, uh, like style is inseparable from content. And it's not like you could have the content of a work of art without the style or like, it's just like fruitless to imagine that. And so like, I just want to focus more on the style because I know if I do focus on the style and I get it into a style that I like, it will, it will, inevitably influence the content and i feel like when there is music that i am particularly attracted to the style of like a cool band for example like i don't know like the fall or like like i don't know i'm trying to think of other like beat happening or something like I will spend much more time with that band because I want to, I'm impressed by the style and the aesthetic and the like delivery and everything that goes into the aesthetic performance of it. And like, I will give it more like credibility in the way of like whatever you would uh, associate with content like melodies or lyrics or all of those mm. things like i will like give it more leeway and more attention just because the style is so intoxicating and i like want I, I think the music is cool and i want to like it more whereas like if i listen to like for example like an emo song that i think is like uber uncool but i think the melodies and whatever are good like it, it in it I, like it'll appeal to me no doubt but be sort of like a guilty pleasure where i i know that it's not like the aesthetic of it isn't like advancing music it's not like interesting to me or like new or like uh cutting edge or something but i just like i just know that the person is a good songwriter or something like that like i'm trying to move away from that more i don't i don't know
0: god because that's me dude that's i'm totally the opposite where it's like i'm not thinking about the style at all i'm like i mean i try to especially for my own stuff i'm trying to be like really thoughtful about like the presentation um but when it's li- when i'm listening to music it's all about the melodies or like whether it makes me feel something when i'm listening to it Um right and like i i don't care like really the presentation or style if it doesn't have the like melodies or like the songwriting like i'm I'm super obsessed with songwriting.
1: Right. I used to feel that way, but, like, I don't know. The thing is, like, I know people who are great songwriters don't have the style that I'm – don't have a style that I'm interested in. And so it's, like, you can write the, like, you know, best pop song in the world, but if it doesn't, like, feel cool or stylish or, like – and maybe that sounds, like, superficial or something, but I think it's actually – I think it's actually very, very difficult to develop a unique and new style. And it's, like, I think it's underrated by most, like, underground artists. It's, like, probably overrated by, like, certain pop artists or, like, um like people who are just like overboard with like looking cool and making cool music and like i do agree that like sometimes things can be like overproduced or like over affected and the songwriting is not really there Mm -hmm. but like i think just coming up with a new style or a new attitude or like an intoxicating vibe or something is just as impressive as writing a good song like i think i totally agree like I don't know so like r- lately I just feel like the my style is like the less like developed element of my music and I want the style to be cooler cuz I feel like now it's like okay I can string a verse and a chorus together and I can like produce it in like a semi professional way and it's like so now I want to focus on just like the other half of music where it's just like having the right attitude
0: and like I guess, like, I have, like, a good example of this is, like, Destroyer. Do you ever listen to him? Uh, I, I actually listened to one song from him recently for the first time, and I didn't really like it.
1: I You didn't really like it? What no, song was it was it? Bay of Pigs. Oh, I fucking love that song. But I here's like, the thing. Yeah. This is, like, more of, like, a cultural statement. It's, like, so, basically, um, uh, so, like, all of, like, Destroyer has, like, a huge career and like has like all of these albums and i i love most of them i think most of them are really sick and like he has a ton of personality and like has like fascinating lyrics and like you know has a ton of content like whatever you would whatever you whatever you would think of content as like you know interesting lyrics good song structures good riffs like all of the like meat and like potatoes of music like i feel like he has a ton of it but his one album that is like his most beloved and critical biggest critical success is kaput, Mm -hmm. which is like, which Bay of pigs is on. It's like, and it is also like by far the most stylish destroyer album. Like it is like, so like cool sounding, like he's like, he's singing in this like very like disaffected, like casual way. Um, Like it just like make, like it makes the whole enterprise like interesting and it's like i there that there's a reason that there's so many fans who like are obsessed with that album and then don't care about the rest of his discography because he's like he's cooked up this style that like makes everything else like interesting like i'm trying to think of a good metaphor for it but it's like i don't know the the style is just like the Play for like the sex of the music or something <laughs> yeah. and like literally like you know you don't want to like if you're gonna have sex with someone you want there to be like this kind of like g- like guiding you into it some kind of like, layer that makes you like enjoy it like you don't want to just like go from talking to someone to having sex it's this the is a pack- terrible it's this the- is a terrible fucking metaphor but I mean, it's just dude, like
0: it's it's all about the packaging i mean yeah, in music business and like entertainment it, like it, it, pass packaging is like just as important if not more important than the music itself you know I mean look yeah. at slipknot I mean yeah like they have a an obvious like style you know it's like uh you know you have to have the presentation and I've always been really bad at that myself and like trying to like develop my taste more I don't know but so what I mean what we, can you put into words like the style that you're going for with the new record?
1: I mean, I don't know. I think that honestly, my tape is even like it's more stylish than Kapow. Like Kapow is like a little embarrassing. It's like a um like has more embarrassing influences and is like not produced as well. But like I'm just I I'm just thinking of like more stylish artists, like music that I would put in a DJ set, like. Send to someone because I think it's cool as fuck, or it'll like make me cool, mm-hmm, or like, mm-hmm. um, just like more pristine production, like, um, stylish and like, um, I don't know, just like maybe more expressionist lyrics instead of like emotionally like diaristic or something, or if mm-hmm. they are diaristic, just like in a cool style. Like, before I definitely thought, felt like the emotions and whatever of what of the music should like take precedent. And so you should just be as like honest as possible. But I honestly don't think that's true anymore. Like, I think like not to keep bringing up Isaac, but like when you think about his lyrical style, he has like extreme style and like his lyrics are very opaque and like cool sounding. And Mm -hmm. I think literally because they're cool sounding, people read a lot more into them than they would and they resonate with them a lot more. Yeah. I'm pretty sad about this thing. And this is exactly what it is. Or like, you know, like he sells them this emotion. And it's like uber stylistic package. And that makes people like care about it. And maybe that's just people being shallow and like wanting to like have cool music to make feel cool and to show their friends. But I think it also just makes you more interested in it. Like, like musicians are like icons of style in a
0: way. And like, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, totally. I mean, it adds like a mystique, but I mean, like music, the music you listen to is like an accessory and it's like a badge and it's something that represents you and it represents your taste, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, you know, natural. And, um, do you ever listen to like Deftones? Um, a little bit, not a lot. Uh, Uh, their singer Chino has like a similar thing of like writing these like kind of like mysterious and like ambiguous lyrics yeah I don't know all that stuff like the style element like totally adds a mystique and like wanting to know more about who makes it and like I don't know it's probably I gotta get off of it makes me feel like i gotta get off of what i'm on which is like thinking if i make a good enough song it won't matter like what genre it is and it won't matter you know yeah i'm thinking like if i fundamentally like write a really good song then nothing else you know hopefully it'll overcome my shortcomings in terms of style um well yeah i don't know i mean and beyond style i just mean like it doesn't
1: even just mean like whether it's cool or not, but just the way it's delivered and the way it's delivered, I think is just as important, like not necessarily like if it's cool or not, but just like the way that you deliver it. So it's like choosing to produce a song in the style of, you know, like a stripped down acoustic version versus like something else. Cause when you, for example, like say you write a song, like if you produce it in a like pop rock style, instead of like, You know a Leonard Cohen minimal style like that changes everything about the song. Like the content itself is altered by the delivery, and so I'm just like trying to focus on the delivery. I feel like that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. there is there is no ideal song like at the core of any song. The delivery like is the song.
0: Yeah, and that's like kind of what I'm.
1: That's kind of what I'm like obsessed with lately. Like you can write any lyrics or any melodies, and if you just deliver it in the right way you know not this isn't like always true but like i think to to an extent like you can make it either great or terrible and like
0: no you're totally correct and i definitely agree i don't know that's just what i'm thinking about lately so i'm trying to crank up the style (laughs) when you started did you uh know that you wanted to do like verse chorus verse chorus stuff uh or did you think about it
1: Pretty much. I think when I started, I was trying to make more complex stuff. Like, if you listen to Pure Plus, the structures are a lot more complex than what I do now, I think. Mm -hmm. And i just i don't know i i think i didn't realize at the time that a lot of the stuff i liked was verse chorus verse but they were just doing weird verses and weird choruses and instead i thought it was like a weird structure of a bunch of like weird parts and like i didn't really understand how songs were written or like why i liked the songs i liked and i think now i have a much better understanding of that and i pretty much like regular pop structures but just like weirder aesthetics and like weirder lyrics like All the smaller parts are weirder, but the, like, overall structure is relatively normal.
0: Yeah, I totally was the same way to a degree. I mean, I intentionally was, like, avoiding pop structures. Or if I was doing it, I wanted to do it, like, something experimental, like taking a post-rock sound and making it a pop structure as opposed to, like, you know, how post-rock songs typically are. But then, like... I don't know, for the other type of rock, whatever, trip-hop, whatever it was that I was doing, uh, Uh I was purposely avoiding uh, too much repetition and, like, um, really liked, like, it was more about composing, you know? It wasn't about songwriting. It was, like, composing. For sure. Until I realized, like, people don't want to listen to that, (laughs) you know? Like, most people are, most people want to hear a chorus, you know? That's true. And then once I was honest about what I wanted, which was, you know, I wanted people to listen to it. Um, I started like, you know, quote unquote, selling out a little bit with my sound. I yeah, I I feel the same way. I feel like it's been for the best too. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna well, listen to some of that. I'm gonna listen to Team Sleep. I have a backlog going. Definitely I need to listen to.
0: Check out Team Sleep and uh, thank you oh my god
1: my pleasure jeff thanks for inquiring
0: yeah we'll do another one uh you know down the line yeah baby post mixtape post album yeah hell yeah
1: after after i get a four on pitchfork you can interview me on
0: suicide watch yeah yeah Yeah, that'll be great okay thanks you.